Welcome to episode number 80 of my Look What I Made podcast. My name is Kevin Pike, and on these podcasts I talk about songs that I have composed and recorded and and how they came together. And uh, for this one, I'm calling this Bring It On Home Redux, because this is um, a a song that has gone through many versions. Um, I originally wrote the, the basis for it back in the late 80s, and then if you listen to episode 64 of my podcasts, um, you'll, you'll, you know, I basically talk about that original recording and then how I made a version of it for when I had a, a jazz funk band in 2012. And um, that recording that I made with that group, I never released. And um, I, what happened is I kind of got sidetracked on the last two albums that I worked on. So new, new musical projects came up and and those, those last two albums were in totally different genres. They were uh, contemporary classical and uh, free jazz. And now that I've finished those, I've decided to go back to what I started in 2012. So I listened to the tracks we'd recorded, which had been done at a local recording studio instead of my home studio. So um, right away, I, you know, that limits what I can do with them because I basically have the mixed down tracks, but I don't have access to the individual tracks. Um, just just the final mix. So um, when I listened back to it, I realized that the saxophone was too low in the mix, and, and you know that's on me for not catching that when we did the mix down. The um, the keyboard in many cases overpowers the the saxophone, um, but really the saxophone should be most prominent in the mix because that was the uh, the melody instrument. So so I, I started to think about what could I do? Can I could I re EQ it to bring out um, the saxophone and I messed around with um, uh, using the Lander uh, service, the uh, mastering um, online, to see if that would fix it, and it didn't. Not that I expected it to, but I just thought maybe that, that might work, but it didn't. So the next thing I thought of was um, maybe I can fix it with arranging. And um, what I did is I, I uh, imported the the, um, the the final mix down version into my digital studio workstation, and then I started adding new saxophone parts to it. So at first I added alto to the entire melody line, and and then also um, the chorus section. And it did not work with the melody line. It just sounded um, it was just too much. It it, it sounded lame, like <laughs> I had taken a, a recording of something and then just played over it. But on the chorus section. It sounded really good. It, it, it actually um, enhanced it and brought it out more. So um, then I thought, well, what, what if I were to double it with something else? And then I got the idea if I used Barry Sachs, it would be an octave below. Um, and so it would probably bring out the melody more in, in the mix um, without uh, actually um, ruining the sound of the alto. You could still hear the alto prominently because um, the Barry would be an octave below. So I, I, I tried doing that, and then it, it worked really well. And so that's that's what I decided to go with then, this, this recording, which was originally a live take of alto, uh, keyboard, bass, and drums, became a um, alto and berry sax group with um, keyboard, bass, and drums. So with that in mind, I then realized I could I could also do a bunch of editing to kind of rearrange where things occurred um, in the song um, to give it a nice flow. So I took out, there was an alto solo um, 
that you know because the alto was too low it, it, it just it didn't fit and there was no way to bring out that alto solo unless I doubled it up which I wasn't going to do for a solo because that'd be weird so I took out the alto sax solo um, the there was a bass solo in the middle that was a really awesome bass solo but again the bass was too low in the mix and um, what I did for that was um, copy the uh, the the, the left-right channel tracks of the background music of you know that original recording we did I copied it into some additional tracks and I started re-EQing those tracks to bring out the bass a little bit more and that worked in that I was able to bring out the bass somewhat for the solo but it still was was too um, it, it just did, it didn't pop the way I wanted it to so then I thought what what could I what if I put something over top of that the bass solo and I got this idea to have a soli section where you have the alto and the berry playing this um, this line um, uh, and then at the end they kind of break off and, and solo um, you know two of them interacting a little bit so I added that part to the middle and um, you know I think I think it worked pretty well it's it's weird to compose a soli section after the bass solo underneath has has been created so when I was um, creating this, the, the lines that go over that section, I was kind of emulating some of the stuff that the bass player was playing or doing before the bass player played so that, that it was like I'm playing that. And then at, when he's soloing, he's hearing that and reacting to it and doing little quotes from it, which didn't actually happen. But when you listen to it, it almost sounds like that's what was happening. And anytime I, I take live stuff and mix it with, um, um, you know, added parts, I, I try to always keep the live sound so that it sounds like there's interaction and it's not like you've got two separate instances of, of uh, you know, playing music. I want everything to connect. So that was something that I did in creating the Soli line. Um, the, and then the other thing I did was um, I, I had to uh, um, chop out a couple of the, the chorus sections um, at um, just because the saxophone, um, it, it would... Um, it bled over into the next um, part that I originally had. Um, so, long story short, I had some edits where you could hear, you could clearly hear. I had taken one part that happened at the beginning or towards the beginning of the of the song and added it to the end. And because the edits were were um, audible, audibly um, visible, if that's a phrase, you know, because they were noticeable. I had to come with a, up with a way to hide the, the edits so that it sounded like everything was played live and I wasn't going in and making edits. So what I came up with is um, I used some, I added some additional cymbal hits that um, that, that wash of the cymbal kind of go, um, would, would go over the, the transitions that we had so that when you, when you hear it, you don't really notice it that well. So there are a lot of tricks that I had to use on this to, to kind of hide um, where the where I had chopped up the, the parts and rearranged the entire form of this piece. Um, what you might want to do is listen back to episode 64 where I play the original recorded version and then listen to this this version um, and to hear how, how different it is and how things appear at, at different points in the song. But uh, the end result is something that I'm really proud of. I, I think it's a, a really has a really nice vibe to it, has a really nice flow. And um, and then, I you know, like I said, I added this middle section with alto and berry that that um you know is kind of an interesting thing something i probably wouldn't have thought of to have an alto and berry solely with with a a bass solo going on underneath um so this is something that that came about that worked and you know who knows maybe i would try to do that if i were playing this piece live 
All right, so this is called Bring It On Home. I just released it as a digital single, so you can listen to it on Spotify. Uh, it's on CD Baby. It's on iTunes, uh, Google Music, all the different places. You can just search for Bring It On Home by Kevin Pike. And um, here it is.
Thanks for checking out my Look What I Made podcast. You can listen to more of my music at my website, kpikemusic.com. That's K-P-I-K-E-M-U-S-I-C.com. Or do a search for Kevin Pike Music, and you'll find my music on YouTube, Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, CD Baby, and of course, kpikemusic.com.